Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Will's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, usually recorded at the PW offices, but we're at various remote locations around New York City right now. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com, and you can check us out on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons, I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on social media. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, DC in the News, Fox in Play, Comics on New Platforms, Ahoy Comics, Stan Lee. We're going to take a look at that. Um, so let's get right to it. Uh, lots of news around DC. Boy, where do we well, begin? Oh boy, since we <laughs> since last we chatted, good lord! Like you know, sometimes we say there's no news. I, I we can barely even cram it in. Our run sheet for this like of possible news stories was like twenty pages long. But, <laughs> yes, yeah, no, uh, no short. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. the biggest story is DC. Yes. Uh, big changes at the top. So mm. Diane Nelson, I think we mentioned a few months ago, back in March, that she had gone on hiatus mm-hmm. uh, yes. because of personal matters. And uh, usually that's code word for uh, sent to the doghouse. And indeed, she, well, I don't know about the doghouse part, but for sure she just announced like two weeks ago that she was indeed leaving yes. Warner Brothers. Um, and to spend more time with her family. And, oh, dear. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know that's a euphemism, but everybody I've talked to, it really is the truth, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. I, I won't go into the personal reasons, but, you know, she, she definitely wanted to spend more time with her family. So, well, she's had um, quite a, um, a span of time here. I mean, it's nearly 10 years she ha- has been in that position. Yeah. Am I right? I mean, about nine, I think, actually. It's 2011, so seven, but yeah, it seemed like a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or so, I, think it was, I think it was more like 2010. Uh, that was, yeah, when it happened. Okay. All right. Because, okay. yeah. what, because, yeah, yeah. Levitt's no, left in been, 2009. Yes, it has been quite a while. So. Um, well, uh, I mean, do we want to assess her tenure? Is it possible to assess her tenure? Uh, I guess the biggest thing. That, uh, you know, I, 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 she was definitely a very talented executive and I uh, haven't heard any really uh, scuttlebutt against her, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that she was really well liked and she was very uh, personable, like she had a really good personal relationship with with most people and, uh, you know, that she came in contact with, uh, certainly getting the Wonder Woman movie made and mm-hmm. it was a success. Uh, you know, she wasn't directly involved with that in the production side, but she pushed for it. I mean, you, you know, one of the things about Diane was that she was a star at Warner Brothers. You know, she was being groomed for bigger and bigger things. Yeah. And, you know, she took over consumer products. So she was after, you know, the head of the studio and, um, you know the uh, under Kevin Sujahara, she was one of the big big fish there, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, so you know it does leave a big void. And Thomas Gawek, who is like a interactive kind of a guy, yeah. I don't really know anything about him. A shadowy figure. Is uh, he the interim a- guy there? Yeah. Yes, um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, uh, of course. Another thing that happened under Diane's tenure, although it wasn't her initiative, but she certainly uh, shepherded along, is really the big game changer of. Uh, DC superhero yeah. girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. <clears throat> I mean, I interviewed her a couple of times across the what seven or eight years, whatever it was. 
Um, you know, I, you know, I, I was impressed that I had any access at all, frankly. Uh, but you know what? I, I mean, I, I, I would like to also uh, on, uh, back up your, um, uh, you know, pointing out the, the success of DC Superhero Girls. And also just in terms of uh, the access that I've had to, to talk with Dad DeDio and Jim Lee. And my sense, and I sense that this is for real. Anybody else can decide what they think. Um, the move of DC to really pay closer attention to to the book trade. Now, I know I'm a one note reporter about this, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's incredibly important. And I think, uh, and I think this is something that DC has been on the lead in uh, for a long time. And um, and and even just recently in the launch of the, all of these new pop up imprints. Uh, they, that that seems to continue to be the case that they're that they're trying as best they can to pay attention to how they how they can get new readers through the book trade. So uh, yeah. I, I'm going to give you know, her some credit for that. Go on. Yeah, I mean, I think really, I, I think really, Diane's lasting legacy is she moved DC to the West Coast. You know, yeah, I mean, that's okay, good point. Really the a- absolutely thing. powerful. And point. Well, once it got out there to the West Coast, it really did stabilize a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. Dan Didio and Jim Lee have been at the top. Uh, and although, as we'll get to in our next item, um, you know, Jeff Johns has also left. So that, you know, that (laughs) just happened as well. So, I mean, you kind of have to look at this hand in hand. I mean, when Diane stepped down is one thing, but, you know, she and Jeff were like a team. And if you go back and you look, you'll be all these stories about Jeff and Diane and, you know, mutual admiration. And didn't they quarrel? Well, that's the scuttlebutt. I mean, yeah. I didn't see it happen, okay? But the scuttlebutt deadline had that, that they had clashed, okay, loudly, mm. which is interesting. Um, you know, I don't know what that means. But um, but they had been best buddies. So, um, you know, so there was so, – so basically you have this kind of uh, interregnum period that's uh, quite stable at D.C., Okay, well, you know, Diane did oversee two complete revamps of the line, uh, first the New 52 and then uh, Rebirth. Uh, so, you know, it was relatively stable, uh, allowing for all those, um, you know, relaunches. <laughs> Although, yeah, and, you know, as, and I made this point before, relaunches, retweaks, reboots, modified reboots. This this seems to be to characterize the, the, the main, the big time comic book publishing period that we live in. Right. But, you well, know, the... Oh, Kate, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that it it characterizes DC. I mean, DC did full-on revamps, but Marvel hasn't done any. Marvel has just done all these little tweaks that they try to sell like it's a reboot, but they aren't really. They don't really change anything. Well, I think really the giants uh, looming over all of this, uh, the the Nelson era, and and to segue into John's departure really was Warner Brothers trying to capture what Marvel had in the at the box office. Yeah. You know, Disney bought Marvel and uh, immediately made the Marvel Cinematic Universe the most successful movie franchise of all yeah. time. And really, mm-hmm. what we've seen in in the entire Diane Nelson tenure is Warner Brothers trying to catch up. So looking at uh, the, you know, when Diane took over, Jeff Johns was named the chief creative officer. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, they, they formed a very strong partnership. And Johns was very much uh, involved in the entertainment side of things. And we've seen over the last few years, obviously, the TV side of Warner Brothers under Greg Berlanti has soared. You know, there's like 12 shows on. I mean, I'm exactly And they are all actually watchable. But they might actually be 12 shows on. Yeah, um, no, you know, I think you might be right. Krypton and and, you know, more coming. There's going to be a show about Alfred, you know, young Alfred. Um, but uh, and a couple are ending. Gotham is going to be in its last season. But, you know, Johns was involved with all of that, um, especially the Flash TV show, which remains one of his passion projects. But, you know, then he started to get 
you know, who will watch the children? Who will run the DC extended universe just the way Kevin Feige? You know, Marvel's been – excuse me, Warner Brothers has been looking for their own Kevin Feige. And they kind of thought they found it in John's. And, um, you know, there was that Green Lantern movie. And we don't want to talk about that. But, um, you know, the, so it got started and then it crashed to Earth. And then <laughs> came all this Superman stuff. And then it was like – we got to do Superman versus Batman because that's the best idea anyone could possibly have. And, uh, you know, that was a disaster. And then, oh, how could we miss with the Justice League? And, you know, John's kind of had the misfortune to really stake his flag on Justice League, which even though it made money is, you know, thought of as a horrible failure. It's actually a perfectly pleasant movie. But for some reason, it just, you know, broke hearts everywhere. Because it's, um, it's flawed like every other DC movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, it's, it's okay, but, you know, let's yeah. face it. I mean, it's perfectly pleasant. That's the yeah. thing. It really is a perfectly pleasant movie. But anyway, you know, John's and this other fella, uh, I think John Berg was his name, were made head of DCU Films, or DC Films, and that was a couple years ago. That was 2016. And everybody thought it was great guns. And then uh, as soon as Justice League opened, suddenly there was uh, DC Films was being changed. And I would say... For the last year, it really has been total chaos there. You know, it's like there's two Joker movies coming. Now there's a Suicide Squad <laughs> sequel. Oh, but now there's going to be a movie about Harley Quinn. But, you know, actually it's going to be Birds of Prey. Oh, well, that's Harley Quinn and yeah. Birds of Prey. And now there's going to be a Joker movie starring Jared Leto. And, you oh, know, is please. Ben Affleck coming back as Batman? And, no. Okay, we're not Aquaman. <laughs> and what are we doing with The Flash? Oh, we know we lost three directors. I mean, this is just off the top of my head. This is literally <laughs> stuff that's happened in the wake of Justice League. Well, we so, do know. Well, the top of your head's Bat- pretty entertaining, but I'm sorry, Kate. Go on. <laughs> we do know that uh, the upcoming Batman movie will no longer has been reimagined and will no longer star Affleck, and it'll be someone younger playing young Batman. Well, I think you know, that's Kate, a good thing. I, that's 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 a, a rumor, but it seems like a well sourced rumor. But you know what? Earlier in the week, the rumor was that Ben Affleck was coming back as yeah. Batman. So, well, but you could have both. You could have both. You could have Ben Affleck for like 20 seconds at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie and then have him in the next crossover thing in the modern day. And then you could have whoever as young Batman in this movie. Right. Well, the bottom line for our purposes here uh, are that, you know, uh, John Berg left. He was given a his own production deal, which is what they do when they want to get rid of you. This guy, Walter Hamada, was bought in. Uh, he oversaw it and I think the Conjuring films. I, I might be wrong about that. But he is seen as a seasoned veteran, and so he is now over DC. Somebody's making a noise again. Uh, he is over uh, DC Films and um, and you know, it, it, there was a story and a follow-up story of The Hollywood Reporter that, uh, you know, it's his game now. And so, meanwhile, mm-hmm. Jeff... Uh, okay, so changes at DC. So Jeff has left as CCO. Uh, Jeff Johns has left. Uh, Jim Lee is stepping in as CCO. Right. And he and Dan DiDio, you know, they're no longer co-publishers. They're just publishers, yeah. which is funny. And from <laughs> what I'm hearing, Jim Lee will be not involved with TV, but he will be involved with some other DC initiatives, like they are launching this whole streaming thing. Oh, right. And yeah. uh, that will be something that he's involved with. Uh, but Jeff is getting his own shingle. He'll have a company called uh, Mad Ghost Productions, which has absolutely no passive-aggressive connotations whatsoever uh, to the name <laughs> Mad Ghost. And uh, he will also get his own pop-up imprint at 
DC called the killing zone, which, you know, based on how much he talked about optimism and positivity, it's kind of a funny name, but I am. <laughs> it really a, is. Yeah. Well, supposedly, well, pop-up, pop-up imprints seem to be very popular in DC these days. Yes. Yes. That is the new thing. And so, I keep hearing that it's, uh, uh, I keep seeing that it being compared to um, Young Animal, the the right. Gerard Way, you know, new readers, eccentric, eccentricity, um, break out of the box kind of imprint. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, and you know, just to, another uh, story on our uh, story list here to tie in all the DC stuff. Before all this hell broke loose with this, they had announced that Vertigo was coming back in a whole, oh, right. you know, revamped yeah. way. I mean, with seven new titles, and Mark Doyle is going to be running it, and they have seven new titles from a lot of new people like Zoe Quinn mm-hmm. um, and you know it's kind of like like podcasters, new media people game developers uh, and a couple of uh, well known folks like Mark Russell and uh, you know Brian Edward Hill mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so so it's it's well, I don't even know what do you what do you guys think is the prognosis for DC Comics what's the next six months for them well if, you if know, nothing else they 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 they're keeping the name in the news um <laughs> i mean i mean it's hard to know i mean obviously we've got to look at these projects and see see what's going to happen around them i mean just to focus on the publishing side i mean uh, i mean i'm interested to see what uh, i mean look vertigo is an iconic brand uh in, in many ways this this brand uh introduced uh, us into the concept of of a wide variety of genre comics that yeah, and the world that we're living in now in the comics world. So obviously, yeah, I want to see what they're going to do. I want to see if the, uh, the comics are any good. I thought Young Animal was a sort of a qualified experimental success. I thought yeah. they did have some interesting artists, some interesting stories. Um, let's see. I, I, I yeah. give DC credits for not being afraid to come up with something that seems like not really a part of what they should be doing. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I actually give them credit for not just doing – the same thing over and over and yeah. hoping it'll be different this time. Like, clearly, they're putting some effort into trying to figure out what works. And even if Young Animal um, didn't end up with, like, a huge slate of huge commercial successes, it actually worked really well as a talent incubator for them because pretty much all those creators are coming back in other titles for DC. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I mean, I have absolutely no idea how it'll turn out, but I'm very interested to see where all these different experiments go. Yeah, and you know, one thing we haven't even talked about, actually, uh, which is the biggest thing going on at DC, if my sources are to believe, believe is the coming of Bendis. You know, oh, right. I mean, yeah, his, we Superman is that. coming. Yeah. He's getting his own pop-up imprint, mm-hmm. and, you know, word on the street is that he is bringing, you know, his friends, uh, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick and mm-hmm, Matt Fraction yeah. and, no, good uh, point. you know, all of these people in. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on at D.C. right so, now. So, yeah, you can make the point that D- D.C. has got it going on. I mean, we, got, yeah, well, we, we you know, proof is in the in the comics, but at, at certainly there's a lot here to anticipate. You know, my, my own personal thought on bringing Matt Fraction on board is, dear God, put him in vertigo. He would be a perfect fit for <laughs> well, Vertigo. I would, I would say so, too. I tried but, that when I was at Vertigo 20 years ago, and he wouldn't do it. So anyway. But who knows? Maybe That's now that... interesting. But I don't know. What I'm yeah. saying is that I would I would much rather see him in Vertigo because it's a much better fit for what he does well. Having seen... That's what I would think. What he does with pre-established superheroes, I just don't... I mean, unless he does something completely different the way he did with Hawkeye. But if, like, his 
Iron Man stuff was just it's just think, not his best stuff, you know. I so I don't really need a I don't really need a fraction Batman. Well, you know right? they haven't announced a book by Fraction yet. Yeah, so but, no, but it's so. just a guess. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying. I'm, well, I, I'm, I'm, let's put it this way. I'm I'm hopeful that if they bring him on, they will put him in something that plays to his strengths because his strengths are very strong, and his weaknesses are not strong. All right. And now, did we leave anything off on DC here? Yes, we did. The biggest story of all. <laughs> the merger. It's just oh, yeah. Come on. Damn it, out. Yes. And so, Which is, yes. might be behind all of this. Who knows? Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, basically, in court, uh, it was the AT&T uh, taking over Time Warner was approved, and uh, you know, which which you, a lot most people I know have mixed feelings about. Since the only reason the Justice Department opposed it was because, uh, you know, the president doesn't yeah. like CNN. But you know, it's a big giant thing, and I mean, who knows? I mean, this is all just like yeah. you know, what is AT and you know now they control the delivery platform and the content, and uh, which we'll be talking about in a little bit here, uh, actually, in the next portion of the podcast. But you know, delivery platform and content. Content seems to be the peanut butter and jelly of the media landscape these days. They must go together. Yeah, oh, it's interesting yeah. because, of course, in the past, uh, antitrust law tried to break that sort of thing up. So um, yeah. there you go. You know, well, we'll, well see. no more. Uh, well, meanwhile, um, the Disney Fox uh, Fox and Play as a whole another monkey mm-hmm. wrench thrown into it. Comcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The coming of Comcast, yeah. So, yeah, we've been tracking, uh, you know, Disney has been uh, about to buy Fox, which is really sad because then instead of there being six movie studios, it'd be only five. Yeah. Uh, and the talk seen really well and fanboys and girls everywhere were really excited because it meant that the X-Men could be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. But then all of a sudden... Uh, along came Comcast, which is another big giant. Uh, I forget, don't they? They which phone platform do they own? Aren't they? Uh, I think they own like um, yeah. What do they own? I can't. Do you they know, own Verizon? Maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, they, I don't but they're another. But anyway, so they just came. They up also with... own. Um, don't they own Crunchyroll? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, we'd well, have to do so some research well here. Which, <laughs> so well known. Well, yeah, and these companies are so big; it's hard to know what they own. Yeah, what don't they own? Yeah. But anyway, they came. Oh, they own NBC. Okay. Uh, that's it. They already own NBC. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, yes, and they're the second biggest. Uh, mm. Right. internet service provider. Anyway, they came up and said, "Hey guys, we got sixty-five billion dollars cash. Do you want that, Fox?" And so we don't even know now. Yeah. Now the Disney and- deal is like stock, right? Yes, it was yeah. a stock deal. So, yeah. uh, so nobody knows. Cash money. Uh, cash money. But uh, who will you know? Who's who going to will, get? Who will get the X Men? Who right. will get the Fantastic Four? Who will get Deadpool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, where are we now? Um, okay, well, it's talking about different platforms. Yes, we have comics on new platforms. We have so much news going it's, on yeah, that we don't even know where to go. Okay, comics on new platforms. Okay, what are we going to kick off this off with? There's so many. Um, Netflix and, and Mark Miller? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, their first comic is out. Um, it's kind of curious. I mean, it, it looks as though Netflix is going to be actually the publisher. Um, no, it's not. Image is publishing. Oh, Image is publishing. Sorry about that. Excuse me. Right. Okay. Well, they're they're packing with Image, sort yeah. of. It's it's like one of those packaging deals. Well, you know what? I I actually I'm not sure that's true. 
Uh, no. You know what? No, I think really is Image is putting out this comic, and mm-hmm. on the back it says I have it in my hand, and yeah. it says mm-hmm. uh, on the back it says Netflix. It has that's all. That's really the only thing. Mm-hmm. Let's see what it says in published by Image, copyright Netflix. Okay, so okay, it's, you know, so it's yeah, by, but it's not. It, it's just really. Um, it's it's images publishing this, and and yeah. I, I okay. you know Mark Miller is playing some kind of a you know he he had to be like held down and you know like given a, a wedgie or noogies whatever it is to be admit that this was going to come out through image so um yeah yeah that's interesting um but but you know obviously it makes sense I, I'm it not does. sure that Netflix has any idea about what it should be doing to public I mean this is probably beneath. Uh, tiny for them, so I cannot imagine why they would want to try to publish themselves. And they obviously sure. are licensing it all through Image. But yeah, I mean, I hear these rumors that there's someone at Netflix who's really interested in comics, but yeah. but as of now, really, it is they well, just signed up Mark Miller, and and you know he can sit there, and like, yeah. it's like the the Queen Alien. He can I, just sit there. I don't doubt that there's someone at Netflix that probably takes an interest in this. Is is the publishing key point? But really. I mean, I just don't see giant media companies or giant, you know, streaming companies caring beyond the, how the con, the content can be well, adapted. Well, yes, but how it can be, beyond how the content can be adapted to the actual publishing process. Well, but they don't, they don't want to share any rights with anybody. They don't want to take any chances that it'll leave them, yeah. um, because yeah, they're they're keeping their claws in pretty oh, yeah. tightly, yeah. and and so I think that's why they're being very careful not to say. That this is an image comic. It's a Netflix comic, even though, of course, Image is doing all the work. Right. I, I would also throw in here, there's a big cover story on New York Magazine this week that talks about Netflix. Because it is, you know, I mean, everybody in the entertainment world is, is focused on Netflix because they just have an insane amount of money. You know what they talk about in there? Uh, extensively as being the something that really changed how they did business is the adaptation of the end of the bleeping world, uh, you know, which was based on this oh, really? little yeah. Chuck yeah, Horseman in the comics. Comic. Yeah, they said they said it didn't test, you know, like by their metrics, it didn't test. So they thought it was going to be a huge flop, and then it came on, and it it was mm-hmm. you know a surprise hit for them. Mm. And there's going to be a sequel to it. So you know, there, there there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts to this, you but, know. And I, I I mean, I don't know really what that means, but but it's significant. Somehow. I mean, it sounds, if I may say so, it sounds just like what I'm saying is that they're learning something about how to adapt comics yeah. into yeah. TV shows. So and I bet they have a lot of algorithms built that's in too. What they're focused on. My my right. only comment was that. They're not that focused on the publishing process of getting a print no. project out into the marketplace. No, not at all. Well, yeah. well given how, how they, they love to crunch numbers, I would be really, really fascinated if they give anything else the death note treatment in the future. I have this funny feeling that if they look at the numbers, they're not going to do it. Well, you know, they have Hilda coming. Hilda oh, the bird, that's right. You know, Hilda and the Bird People is coming, yeah. as a which is a kid's show. It's aimed at kids. Mm-hmm. It's an animated show based on the Luke Pearson sure. series mm-hmm. from No Brow. So, and there's lots more comic stuff coming. But anyway, you know, this Mark Miller, we've talked about it many times. He is... Uh, like Robert Kirkman, he is a proven entity, and yes. uh, you know they signed him up, and he's made a lot of money, and he's very happy. So, um, but you know, you were talking about streaming giants, and uh, we alluded to this story last time we met, uh, so long ago in a whole other world, two weeks ago. But uh, you know, Comicsology did make its announcement about its titles, yes. and um, 
you know what? The big news out of it was a little bit of a surprise, I think. I mean, we all knew they were going to do digital, but we didn't know that they were going to have this whole print-on-demand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that for me certainly is one of the big the big takeaways from this is that they, for the first time, they're, they're, they're going to be POD print for most of the series they, that they initially announced. I think one of them, uh, they haven't, it's not happening uh, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think it's three out of the first four or something are going to be available. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, right. And, and some people who are looking closely, although who knows, maybe production models lie. People who are looking at it closely say that, Looking at the pictures, it doesn't look like it's their typical POD. So I almost wonder if Amazon is going to be experimenting with some new POD technology in order to bring quality comics out this way. Well, did you get a sample, Calvin? No, I haven't seen it at all. Okay, I, I did get a I did get a sample. Oh, did you? What did it look like? Uh, yeah, well, it's here somewhere. I hope I didn't take it to the strand. Well, I, I'll um, say this in general. I mean, POD <laughs> is getting better all the time. Uh, it is better. It's definitely better than some of the other examples. I mean, it doesn't look like, you know, a book from Arkea or <laughs> well, most but then other, what does? most other but, uh, uh, publishers' books don't look like a book from right, Arkea. But, I mean, it, it doesn't look like something that you know you use for another purpose the next day either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right, oh wait, maybe. Right. Is it this? It no. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah, I mean, I I knew that, it's not like we don't know that there's better POD technology out there than what Mar- Amazon typically uses. But Amazon typically doesn't use that. Their right. stuff is kind of really aimed at like black and white books that do sort of look a little print on demandy. Um, so you know, this could be a leap for them in POD technology, which would be very interesting. Well, I you mean, know, this could be a tester for them. Well, it's certainly one way to, to do a comparison. I mean, the, the original Elephant Man series were beautifully done. So uh, they're, they're, they're kind of going up against, you know, a, a standard that has been set. So it'll be interesting right. to see. What did, what did we think of the contents, the announced contents? Um, I mean, I don't know too much about him. It seems looks interesting. I mean, uh, Elephant Man is uh, Man is a more, is a known quantity. Um, I don't know much about Super Freaks or Savage Game. Yeah, it's kind of one of those like, well, it looks promising. It could be something. Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't really know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, more comics. And you know, they had a whole big giant list of people who who yeah, stuff so was coming yeah. from that was like pretty huge and pretty notable. So. Yeah. And, um, can I mention also that I mean, uh, uh, they have did they did just do Marley's Ghost? This really uh, yeah. I thought inventive reconstruction of a Harvey Kurtzman never completed project that was first designed in the 1950s. So uh, that was not, uh, and I kind of probed them a little bit about that. That is still not available in print, though they won't tell me that it won't be available in print at some point. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, so that's so maybe they just see. haven't made up their mind. Beautifully done project. So uh, you know, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see the books when they when they're available. But you've got yes. some. I haven't seen them yet. So I, yeah, I no, I just case. got one. They sent me one copy of it, and it, it's I lost it promptly in gonna, my apartment. I'm, so. I'm going to poke chip. And see yeah, if I can get a copy. Too. You'll love it. Um. So anyway, but well, so one final uh, note about new comics, new places is that uh, we're, we also broke that GameStop, which is a pretty sizable chain of video game stores. We'll start yeah. testing new comics, selling <laughs> spinner racks. They're bringing so back the spinner rack back, to a back geek to the store. future. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what to say. Uh, well, you know, I feel like it's much more targeted. Then a lot of the places people randomly put 
spinner racks in the old days. Um, if ever there was a store that is not a comic store that would be a place where people might actually go to buy comics and not just sort of trip over them and not know what to do with them, it would be a GameStop. I mean, a GameStop is a store so geek-centric that it doesn't just sell games. It sells used games, too. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's the hardcores, you know? So I, I kind of think if, if it would work anywhere, it would work at GameStop. Well, I, I, right. you know, I got nothing against Spinarex uh, if they think that that's going to work and turn and actually move the needle. I'd be a lot more excited if they if they had a, a select uh, uh, a selected selection or a selection of actual uh, uh, paperback graphic novels. Well, I, I think I think to be frank, I think what they're aiming at are these at these Spinarex is the large number of teenagers that go to GameStop who probably given that they're also the ones who are probably buying used games, might be looking for a lower price point. I suppose. I mean, is there some – did I miss a new a report out here that, that teenagers these days are, are, are uh, chasing down periodical comics? No, what, I, what I'm saying is that, I mean, I imagine they're probably going to pick, since they're, they're not carrying everything, they're picking selectively, yeah. is that they're going to pick stuff that works okay as like a spinner rack, one and done. Um and GameStop is, as I said, they sell used games too. It's definitely kind of a uh, cheapo, know. disposable culture kind of take yeah, on well. nerdery. And so I could see as it as being the kind of place where a spinner rack might work. What do you think, Heidi? Just curious. Um, you know, listen, I have more comics and more outlets yes, is amazing. Absolutely. You know, doing a test in forty stores. Absolutely. Uh, is it going to work? Um well we talk enough about this, you know, and I think the last time we were talking about the periodical and whether it is a viable format. And um, you know what? It's a test. We'll find yeah, out. Absolutely. Uh, I and uh, I read my, you know, I, I will plug my story on the beat, or rather my story uh, that was uh, written by uh, Nicholas Esky, who used to work at GameStop. So he had some really interesting things mm -hmm. to say about it, just about, you know, how they've been trying to, uh, GameStop has been trying to diversify in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. So it really was a pretty, you know, natural test for them. But let's, you know, they're carrying DC, Marvel, Oni, Press, and Image. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, yeah. hey, listen, you got to do it, right? Well, we'll find I, out. Absolutely. We'll Hopefully they, they'll try it with some books, too, down the line. Right. Well, yeah, possibly. So, well, speaking anyway. of books and size and all this sort of stuff, we have yet more. I mean, there's so much going on here. So yet another news story is uh, Ahoy! Ahoy, a whole baby. new comic <laughs> company. Ahoy. There, you yes, Ahoy Comics. <laughs> yes, is here. The coming um, of Ahoy. This is a, an interesting uh, and, and look, and I'm uh, it, uh, it's, an, uh, it's an, a new launch of a new comics publishing venture with some very talented creators and an interesting concept. Um, would you agree? Would, should we give more details uh, here? Well, yeah. I, I, you know, it's launched uh, four people behind it, really. Uh, like uh, the, the the guy named Hart Seeley, who I don't know, but he used to write yeah. for the New Yorker. He's a poet. He's kind of the main mm, guy. Humor writer Stuart right here. Moore and Tom Pyre, who mm -hmm. are veteran editors uh, you know, of Vertigo, uh, are the two also involved. And then Frank Camuso, who's yeah. a cartoonist, is, is uh, part of the Brain Trust. And you know, they have four books, and they're kind of – I guess the most noteworthy thing is that they're, quote, 
they're comics magazines. And yes. I know, Calvin, you and I, the minute we heard that, we were like, no, but <laughs> it's not quite what you think. Well, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, but that's how they, I mean, that's how they're spinning this. Is it? But, uh, but they're not magazine size. Is they're what not I'm magazine saying. size, but they are is periodicals, essentially. They're comic books, but they have, uh, you know, they're going to have prose stories. I mean, uh, apparently Grant Morrison is going to have some short stories in this. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be comics. They look like most of them are going to be sort of satirical. Um, there's a superhero satire. There's a cat satire. Um, uh, you know, uh, look, uh, as you said before, Heidi, more comics, uh, you know, what could go, what could be, what could right. be wrong and with I that? And I mean, that, that, the, I guess what's notable about them to me is that the, the price point is three ninety nine, and yeah. they're 40 page, you know, so people are always saying, we want bigger comics. We want more for your, you know, give us more, give us more. So Ahoy is doing that. They yeah. are giving you more page count for the, for the same price. And um, so, you know, we'll see. And it's definitely top-notch creators. You yeah, know, Jamal Eichel is drawing a yeah. book. And, um, you know, Anne Nascente is writing one. So it's, it's – it's, it's, And they've got some anthologies. So they've got a lot of people. Hunt Emerson, Carol Lay. I mean, they've got some really great people here. Linda do, Medley is supposed to be working with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, now I also put them – I you know, look, I should say I'm going to preview everything I'm going to say now. I'm excited about this. I want to see them. Uh, there's talented people, so I wish them well. Uh, now, my reporter side uh, asked this particular question. Uh, we're in the middle of a comic, the comics market and in a big transition. Um, uh, they seem to be combining every venue and format that is being challenged in the comics market bar in, in North America right now. And so I said, well, you know, comic books, magazines, and the um, and they're they're initially they're only going to be distributed in uh, the direct market. Uh, uh-huh. But they are going to be trade paperbacks coming. They haven't worked it out, nor have they worked out the, the, the distribution, according to Stuart. Um, so I said, did you think about this? I mean, and they were – they sort of laughed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said, so you've oh, got dear. comic books, magazines, and the direct market. But – Well, they're uh, contrarians. But – well, they're, they're optimistic. And look, and they've got a lot of talent behind them, which I think is driving the optimism. But more also, I thought, made a good point – there, these comics are also going to be available through Comixology. There will be digital editions. Uh, his point with digital is going to be key. New readers will find us that way. Anyone can go online and buy these, and I think he's right about that. Um, right. So we will see. It, it, yeah, and it, you know, it's interesting seeing anyone, you know, make a bet on comics. Yeah, and you know, listen for all of the downturn and all of this. Um, there is. You know, we've been talking about sales slipping. You know what? There's no sign of that actually happening. You know, everybody's moving around. Aside from, you know, the only people out of a job is Diane Nelson and Jeff Johns. And, but everybody else is employed as they want to be. And Jeff is quite busy. I mean, he's got, you know, and Diane is happy. But I mean, busy again. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody else has got, you know, moved around and gotten jobs. I I mean, I've been working on a flow chart for weeks. And every time I think I got it down, it's, I have to revise it. So much. (laughs) I think you just have to accept that the comics world is kind of incestuous. And, uh, you know, everybody who is employed somewhere will be employed somewhere else as long as they don't burn the building down or get sued. Well, I would say I've never seen a period quite like this where everybody's jumping yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, you're absolutely 100 percent right, Kate. But but usually people go away for a while, 
and then maybe they come back. But now it's like they're just jumping companies, and uh, I've never seen anything so many people doing it at once. Well, I mean, it's it's the new millennial employment model. I mean, these yeah, days that's nobody that's keeps a job forever. That's right. So I think there's less shame in it. It's less like, ooh, I'm slinking off in disgrace, and it's more like I'm on to bigger and better things. All right. Yeah. So next, um, Stanley. Sadly, um, sadly in the right. news again for all the wrong reasons. Well, we've been avoiding doing weekly coverage of Stanley. Yeah, we've been uh, waiting for something more substantial, and unfortunately for Stan, we've hit it. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, it has been just a horror show watching what's been happening. Yeah. And you know, Kate, when we this really all started last year, last yes. fall, when there was charges of sexual, you know, levied uh, against Stan of sexual harassment, and we had a long talk. And Kate, you had mm-hmm. some really excellent um, things to say about you know elder abuse and and caring for the elderly, and you know there was a big story in the Hollywood Reporter about I think it was in February. That laid out that no one was really looking out for Stan, unfortunately, and he was just kind of a ping pong ball between people who seemed to want to exploit him. And this week, it really all came to a head. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, his um, new uh, business manager, what's this guy's name, K.M. Morgan? Uh, now he was was he arrested or a restraining order was issued okay so restraining uh, order it was a restraining order no he was arrested he was arrested too yeah yeah it was both yeah 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 and the reason why he was arrested was last week or maybe 10 days ago there was a report that two armed gunmen had broken in and threatened stan and to rob him and what actually happened was that some welfare uh people came to check on stan to see if there were was elder abuse going on, and then uh, this Morgan guy called the cops nine one one and said there was gunmen, and so they he was arrested for you know a false yeah. uh, mm-hmm. false report, and then a lawyer came and filed a restraining order against Morgan, and uh, you know this is a very long document, it's like forty five pages long with all this really sad stuff about it, and um, like I think Stan's lawyer, his former lawyer, former now lawyer. has mm-hmm. guardianship of him, and you know Rob Liefeld posted last night. Uh, you know everybody in Hollywood, of course, is very concerned about Stan, and his former friends are, hadn't been able to see him. But you mm-hmm. know Rob has been in contact, so he said basically that Stan's in a safe place now, and he feels, you know, good about this for the first time in a long time. So uh, you well, know, that's I thought good to it hear. was. Very- yeah, I was. Really I, I hope that's really works out for him. Right, right, right. Uh, and um, because it was really getting just awful. Like on his Twitter, it was like, "This is my real Twitter." It's like it's not his real Twitter. It's so obvious that it was this Morgan guy. And there would be videos because you know, unfortunately, Stan's eyesight and hearing are so bad that he can't type anymore. He can't write anymore. And he would do these videos talking about how he loves Kia Morgan. It was really, really, really yeah. unbearable. I couldn't even watch them. Yeah, it, it, it's really sad. Hopefully, there's some stability in his life. Uh, hopefully, these parasites uh, have been extracted, and right. um, you know the man can uh, live out his golden years. Yeah, uh, and I, another thing that that Liefeld said in his was that one thing Stan did tell people is that he does not want to do conventions anymore. So you know he's 95 years old. Yeah, and he's, he's maybe declining. it's enough. He is it's, it's plenty of time to retire, you know? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we do wish 
we wish well to Stan and just told me it's Absolutely. been a horrible, it's been a horrible spectacle. Just horrible. This has been terrible. I, I had the, the, the singular pleasure of meeting him once, uh, several years ago. And really it's one of the highlights. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy about Stan and Jack and, and the whole legacy, but really this, this is, this is one of the guys, uh, uh, of the Marvel pantheon that really, um, made me love comics. So I, I wish yeah. him nothing but the best. Yeah, I mean, Stan might have talked himself up a little bit, but that didn't mean that he didn't make an enormous con- contribution. You know, I mean, there are a lot of big egos in comics, but that doesn't mean that they they don't contribute a lot. Yeah, and you know, I will say it was really offensive to me when when Stan Lee first got on Twitter. It was obviously him tweeting because nobody writes like Stan Lee, you know, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but but Stan followed me on Twitter. And you know what? That was so awesome. <laughs> you know, it's cool. not like we ever I don't I like I said, he has very bad eyesight, can't actually yeah. read. But, you know, he can uh, dictate it. Yeah. So but I mean, it was obviously Stan. And, you know, when Twitter started, it was kind of this fun thing. Hard to believe. And then when this this other guy said, this is really Stan tweeting, I was like, it's so obvious it wasn't Stan tweeting. Because there yeah. is only one Stan Lee. That's right. That's for sure. All right. Uh, so, uh, have we reached the news briefs? We have. Amazing. <laughs> so, the Library of Congress has acquired its largest donation of comic books of all time. Uh, Stephen uh, Jeppe of of Diamond Comics fame has donated a huge collection of his comics, including Mickey Mouse uh, storyboards from the early days, um, you know, Yellow Kids stuff. I mean, like, just it's Library of Congress says that the value of this collection numbers in the millions and that um, this is the largest collection of comic books they have ever gotten and that it will change their collection significantly. Well, this is, you know, the Jeppy Entertainment Museum. I mean, this is the stuff that was on display there and that museum closed. So it's already museum worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And, but not just that, but that unlike the Jeppy Entertainment Museum and no offense to Jeppy or his museum, but you know, in the library of Congress, it will be available to and studied by scholars and really, will become part of our country's archives, which is, is really worthwhile. Sure. And, and open to the general public, too. Uh, yeah. I, Heidi, were you ever at the museum? I, uh, the Jeppe Museum? Yeah. Oh, yes, many times, yeah. yes. Now, I was there once, actually, and I, I was lucky enough, uh, back in the, uh, when PW was um, uh, uh, being run by Sarah Nelson, we did a video. I was fortunate enough to do a video interview and walk through the museum with Jeppe, it oh, wow. really is an amazing collection. Um, uh, I, if anybody out there can find that video, <laughs> please. <laughs> it's disappeared, and I can't find it. I'd love to have it back. But um, it's probably about you know five minutes, maybe a little bit more, uh, basically talking with Steve Jeppe about his career, his collection, um, some of the, his, the prize pieces. I remember this amazing and large drawing of Superman by Joe Schuster. I mean, this that's just one thing. There's so much in this collection. And uh, Kate's right. Having it at the Library of Congress is where it belongs. But really, this is, um, it really is a a mother load of, 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 of uh, comics me- memorabilia and, um, and, and collectibles. Uh, and now, 
in a also positive brief, um, the Bill Finger Award is going to be uh, awarded to a female winner for the first time ever. Uh, so the winners are Joy Murchison Kelly and uh, Dorothy Rubichek Wolfolk. Um, Joy Murchison Kelly is the one who is alive. She is 90. Joy Murchison Kelly uh, actually worked on Wonder Woman with Mul- William Moulton Marston. And um, so she was writing, she wrote scripts. She was a writer for it. And um, her name has sort of vanished from traditional histories of comics, but she was there. And uh, in much the same way, uh, Dorothy Rubichek Wolfolk uh, worked on many, many uh, DC comics in the Golden and Silver Age, including uh, many people say that she invented Kryptonite. Um, and again, her name has kind of vanished from the history books. So it's really great that they're going to be winning this. Award. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Yeah, this, this I mean, great. I mean, um, y- you know, that, uh, Kelly's name was totally eclipsed by, um, by, you know, the fact that she worked with Marston. Marston mm-hmm. but, uh, I always get his name wrong. Anyway, she was completely erased. And uh, I mean, nobody knew that she, you know, until recently. I believe she was in um, um, Jill Lepore's book about Wonder Woman and, and uh, Martin Molston. And then, you know, Dorothy Woolfolk was absolutely known. And I mean, I talked to people about her. She was editing romance comics right up until the uh, end in the seventies, and she just she's apparently this pretty dynamic figure and uh you know nobody ever interviewed her nobody wow. ever mentions her yeah it's really well you know i mean i, I think I, I, dizzy dotty i've read a lot about comics mm-hmm. and i just had never tripped over a mention of her and that's really a shame yeah, and well, i'm glad this oh, is yes. being well, it's addressed the forgotten it's the forgotten woman syndrome uh, and absolutely. you know i and uh, I, I, uh, I've even asked people. I've said, why didn't no one ever interview Dorothy Woolfolk when she was alive? And you know, because they interview every guy who was an inker mm-hmm. or yeah. a letterer mm-hmm. or you know was hanging around in the production room. I mean, you know, wrote, they do every comics. guy who wrote like five comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they, How many and more then, women do you think are out there that have? There are more. A bunch. There's more. You, you know, there's yeah. more. And, and just to. Quickly, I mean, they said in the, you know, you know, the Finger Award is administered by Mark Evanier, and uh, he had a great judging panel that uh, was like Kurt Busick and some other people, all men. And, you know, <laughs> they're saying that, oh, it'd be, you know, it's great to uncover the women who were there. And I was like, well, it'd be great to uncover some women who could help you do this Finger yes. Award. You know, did you know that women can talk about comics history? It's just, and know, not only that, women are sure. still around. We're not all dead. Yeah, I, I know. It's really, really. But I mean, you know, props to the committee for finally yes. recognizing yeah, absolutely. Uh, these people. Absolutely. All right. Uh, and now on a couple downer notes. Um, Roni Kenshin, uh, the beloved smash hit. Um, manga and then anime sensation um, had ground to a halt right as it was about to bring out more comics a whole new comic arc after like 13 years because its creator had been arrested on child pornography charges which he fully admitted he was guilty of Uh, now in sort of an unexpected twist of fate um, he got off only paying a fine. 
I don't know how that happens. Only, and in, in, only in Japan, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and his publisher wants him back and his publishing is, is going to be publishing this story arc. Now, the real question is, is Viz going to pick it up or not? Uh, I think most Americans, however much they love the comic, are kind of hoping they don't. Mm-hmm. We will have more to come on this. For sure. Right. Yeah. And definitely. on another downer note, Project Wonderful is closing its doors. Um, Project Wonderful was an ad network created for web comics in the early days of web comics. Um, it's true that it's kind of from the age of the banner ad and uh, probably had reached the end of its useful livelihood. But it is it is sad to see it go. It's closing on August first. Well, yeah, I mean, it was you know this was the the dream of the micropayments. Although you know some people would make like you know twenty, forty, fifty, sixty dollars a day from it back when it first started. Uh, I believe Ryan North, the web cartoonist and you know acclaimed writer of Squirrel Girl, was the guy who kind of got it rolling, and it was really great way to fund a lot of websites for quite a long time. But Whew, boy, the old order doth change. I mean, the entire advertising world online has just been completely taken over by Google and Facebook. And, you know, you got to scramble for anything outside of that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, no advertising model is stable. It just isn't. And it did a good thing in its time. And uh, we'll all be sorry to see it go. Yeah, exactly. Well, can't we end this on a positive note? <laughs> I feel like we've roamed far and wide on this. Uh, wide we, we have we have been all okay. Here's a positive note. Um, so there is not one, but two Jim Starlin books on Kickstarter. Yes, <laughs> you know a, a much beloved comics creator who had kind of vanished a little from the comics scene. Uh, as the Marvel Cinematic Universe revived interest in Cosmic Marvel, um, of which he was a huge creator, um, he's popping back on the radar, and he's he's making hay while the sun shines with not one but two Kickstarters. And so one of them is uh, an oversized illustrated prose novel called Mind Games, and um, one of them is... His uh, huge, thick, beautiful art book, uh, Black Book, The Art of Jim Starlin. Um, and we wish him well on both. Absolutely. They're, can they're can both I throw in? Coming out from um, okay, go yeah, on. Well, can I throw in one, one more positive uh, moat? Is that sure. the American Library Association annual meeting kicks off in New Orleans uh, next week, June 21st? Uh, there will be, it'll be packed with comics publishers. Artists uh, and librarians. Um, uh, um, uh, Heidi sort of previewed this in her graphic novels and library feature. Yes, and so, I will be there. Oh, are you? Oh, are you? I didn't know. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going. Yes. Oh, very cool. All right. Yeah, great. So that's highly positive. Okay. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'll be back. I, I am going, uh, but I'll be back in time for next week's uh, podcast. And uh, I will doubtless be full of gumbo and news. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. All right. And on that note, there will be more to come.